Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Dear friends, gather in Amazing Love, I invite you, we're going to pray together, and we just ask God to bless the preaching of his word. So we pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we have come with expectant hearts, and honestly, we need you. Uh, we need you to show up in a powerful way to continue to refine our faith, uh, to give us perspective and hope all through your powerful word. Lord, as, as the people hear the word, let them know that the power does not rely in the messenger, but in the word itself. And so give life and breath to them and, and let you get all the glory as you advance your kingdom. Bless those who are new to this message. Let the spirit go as well with them. In Jesus' name, amen. On February 17th of 2017, our world changed forever because of two words that were spoken. Or to be honest, two words that were tweeted. And what was tweeted was by President Donald Trump when he said the words, fake news. Here's the, tr here's the tweet. The fake news media failing at NY Times, at NBC News, at ABC, at CBS, at CNN, is not my enemy, it is the enemy of the American people. Since that time, everyone has been reacting to this idea of fake news. In fact, I was doing research and I found that Google, along with their search bar, will now have fact-checking resources for you. So Google is always just improving our lives. They're partnering with Snopes and, and PolitiFact and you'll have a fact-checker. I was on Facebook the other day and my splash screen page said this, tips to spot false news, right? So even Facebook is in. And then I got Time Magazine and Time Magazine, they had a cover that really struck a chord with me. Um, it said, is truth dead? Kind of a spinoff on what Donald Trump was trying to say. Now, I want to sidebar this a little bit just because I like sidebars. Do you know, I, I, I know we live in a day and age of subjective truth, like subjective truth has won the day. But sometimes I just, I just cringe at it. For, give, me, give me an example of subjective truth winning the day. It's like I could tell you that I think that the moon is made of gray cheese right? Like every child was told. Um, but, but if I meet with a NASA scientist and they actually tell me, no, 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 it's not made of great cheese. I have proof. Um, it's actually made of rock, magma, you know, it's made of all these different things. Um, I could still tell them, well, let's just agree to disagree. You know, that's the age we live in. I know you've been there. I know you have it in your hand, but, but my great cheese theory is just as good as your theory, you know, with the facts. And, and so we're, I guess we'll never know. You know what I'm saying? And so these are the type of conversations that are common in our society. You can be the guy all informed or the gal all informed. You can have the facts. You can be in front of them. Well, it's agreed to disagree. Right. As a pastor, this is kind of frustrating, you know, because I, I have a horse in the game this way, because I believe that as a pastor, God has spoken some absolute truths. I do. Uh, things that stand above subjectivity. Things like it is finished. That salvation is won. That we have a way to be set free once and for all because of what he did, not because of what we do. And if you're new to Christianity, this is awesome news. I believe it's a fact. But regardless, because there is fake news out there, we do have to fact check. We do have to be aware that not everything we hear is completely true, even on Wikipedia. 
But the thing is, I think as we transition to spiritual thoughts, I think that there is a greater source of fake news. And that's what I want to talk about with you today, that I think feelings are the greatest source of fake news. And if Google could find a way not only to diagnose how I feel, but then truth past how I feel, then they'd have something, I think. And let me give you an example of, of how this works in our life, fake news. Um, it was my birthday this past week. And uh, I am 35 years old. I'm, I'm one year uh, closer to heaven. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm excited for that. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. I do have gray things in my beard if you see it really close. But I am not a morning person. Where am I not morning people? Where, you're not a morning person. You are my people. And let's just like commiserate over what not a morning person is. It, it means that in the morning you don't feel loved and you don't feel lovely. Okay? All you feel is tired. And, and honestly, a little bit standoffish because you need some time to recalibrate to this thing called life. So if you just give us a little bit of time, we're recalibrating. Thank you much. That's, that's the experience of a not morning person. Well, on, on the day of my birthday, my women in the household, which are morning people in general, did some really nice things for me. You know, they, they had breakfast in bed, uh, which is great, included donuts. Um, and, and they had this table set out. Look, look at this table. We got cards from Nadia and a donut card and cubs. Yeah. And see, it was evidence that I was loved. It was. But the fact that it happened at 7 a.m. <laughs> did not necessarily make me feel any different over against the facts that said otherwise. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so even though I, I had facts that told me I was loved, I felt a little bit different. Thank you very much, though. <laughs> this happens all the time spiritually, guys. A pastor can tell you, and you can hear, do you know what? You're forgiven. Oh, but I feel guilty. Do you know what? Jeremiah, he said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I don't feel like it's going to work out. Do you know you are not alone? We have a God who said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But I feel so isolated. We have all these feelings that contradict and counteract the word of God, which is truth that stands above. And what do we do? Well, one of the things we could do is let feelings win. We could just say, go away today, you know, let's just operate by feelings, and, and whatever you feel is your truth, your reality, and, and, and let's never check that, and let's see where that leads us. I saw a great video of what happens if you never check your feelings. I wanted to share it with you real quick, just to illustrate what might happen if you never check it. Uh, here it is. In our family, we have a lot of feelings. Huh. What are you wearing? No, no, no. Back upstairs. Ah! It's just the way she feels. We believe feelings should be celebrated. They're not something to be suppressed. Honey, are we gonna have dinner or? Oh, honey, I asked for red onions and not white. So if you don't feel like listening, I don't feel like making dinner. But really, when you think about it, your feelings are the truest version of yourself. We as a family believe you should always act on those feelings. Your feelings will never lead you astray. So there it is. I mean, if you don't check your feelings, you're going to end up with a lot of Girl Scout cookies. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. So. 
So what if there was something, what if there was a lesson, what if there was a message that could teach us a way past our feelings? That's the lesson and that's the message that I want to share with you today, all right? See, we're looking at Jesus on the cross, and uh, these are his last words. And, and he doesn't feel well today, right? He can't feel well. And yet he fights for fact. Amidst his feelings, he knows that at the end of the day, he is winning. He's winning salvation for you and I. At the end of the day, he's showing what love is, because greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. At the end of the day, he fights for what is true over against what he feels. And that's what we see. So why don't you turn there with me. Um, Luke chapter 23. Uh, we're going to dig a, into God's word and just pick it apart a little bit together in these time and the moments. Um, but, but join with me as, as we consider. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Uh, Jesus hung on the cross for about six hours. And the sun had stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn into two. We'll talk about that. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. So here we have Jesus, who, apart from again what he feels, is, is fighting to trust that his Father is real, that his Father will receive him regardless of what just went down. Could you turn to the person next to you and tell them, he's here whether you feel it or not. He's here whether you feel it or not. He's here whether you feel it or not. Let's explore a little bit more about feelings this morning. I don't know how gray days make you feel, but they don't make me feel so great. And in Chicago this spring, we've had about two weeks of them. Right. In fact, my, my daughter Bella made a meme that totally spoke to my heart. Uh, this is our cat He-Man. Uh, when you haven't seen the sun in forever, this, this is me. Like, I know there's only one God, you know, but, but that sun thing is, wow, it's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, I did something, you know, ridiculous. At the end of the stretch of gray days, I had a bright idea to go to the DMV. Because the DMV is a great place to be anyway. And so I was really testing the waters, and um, if you're wondering, it's probably not the best decision to go to the DMV on the end of gray days. Tempers were high, people were fighting in the parking lot, it was no good. Gray days affect everything. Gray days affect the Sox season. Sox fans, has the season started yet? I'm not sure. Right? Um, and gray days, maybe you have learned, um, are a cause of a seasonal affective disorder, which we call SAD. And I believe everyone has that to a degree. We see that evidenced in our interactions with people, right? So gray days affect us. Gray days had significance on the day that Jesus died. Because as we look into the word of God today, the significance is that the sun had stopped shining. When I got to God's word, I, I just paused here at this part because part of the Greek and, and the gray, it said basically the sun had died out. And I was considering that the light of the world was dying, and so the, the light died out. The Son of God was dying, and so the sun itself had died. There's just significance there for me. Because everything else had deserted and denied Jesus on the day he died. The disciples had left, betrayed, denied. At least creation was empathetic, right? So the sun had died out. And you consider Jesus' day and you look at our life, and, and, and here's my spiritual point at the end of this, that I believe in our walk that we have gray and we have sunny days spiritually. 
And, and maybe you know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes walking with God can feel like yesterday felt. You know what I'm talking about? Yesterday was awesome, right? I don't know if you're outside. Anyone go outside yesterday? Yeah, yeah, you made excuses to go outside yesterday, right? We don't know when another day of like this is going to come, right? And spiritually speaking, you ever have one of those days? Like you're praying and it's like God answered it, the big one. And God, God lets you into, like, what he did in the past, and it now makes sense. And, and God was even answering, like, the small prayers, like, green light, boom, and, like, traffic clear, boom, and nice people, boom, you know, even at McDonald's. It's amazing, right? It's just incredible. And sometimes it's like we can just feel the favor of God on our lives. Man, you're a good God. You're a father of blessing. Taste and see the Lord is good. Do you ever have a great day? Such as me. You ever pray and, like, the opposite of what you prayed for happened? You know what I'm talking about? Or, or you're reading your Bible, and you would love to sense something from God, but you sense nothing. It is silent. You ever have a day where something went down, and you can't find the good in it, and you're really trying. You're trying to put on your positive, you know, optimism, and you can't find a thing that was good about what just happened. You ever been there? Or you ever been pushed past your limits? You ever feel like the devil is just bite on your back? There are gray days, aren't there? There are days when it feels like heaven is silent. Do you know Jesus had a gray day? Jesus' day was so bad, it wasn't gray, it was black. That's how bad it was. And it wasn't just that, like, do I feel heaven is silent? No, heaven was silent. In fact, one of the things we're going to discuss in Good Friday is this, what Jesus said. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So it wasn't like a question, are you there? It was a question like, you are not there. You haven't shown up. But Jesus shows us what it is to fight past how he feels. And he shows us by what he says. In fact, um, to move past his feeling, I don't know how many of you knew this, but what Jesus actually says is a passage from Scripture. Did you know that? He's actually reciting Psalm 31. Psalm 31. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Jesus is now showing us how to fight our own battles. In fact, it reminds me of his temptation with the devil in the garden, he, he, er, in the desert. And, and he always used Bible passages to get past the devil, didn't he? Um, he? He said, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone. Uh, you should not test the Lord your God. Um, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. All the time using passages to fight the battle. And so what I believe he is showing us is a paradigm. That the first aha moment is this, that we move past feelings with a passage. We got to do it. We, we got we to cling to fact over our feeling. We, we got to cling to truth over circumstance. And, and there is absolute truth over what God has spoken to us. Now, if you've been at Amazing Love, this information is not new. And, and, and you already know that. But, but I, I say it again because it's so necessary. It is so necessary. It is our way forward. You know, the, the whole process, it, it kind of reminds me of the show Mythbusters. Anyone watch Mythbusters? All right, all right. I was doing some research on uh, Mythbusters. They had a duct tape. Um, so duct tape, uh, myth. Can duct tape lift a 5,000-pound car? They found it can. Uh, can duct tape be used to make an entire boat? They found it can. Can duct tape be used to create a barricade that can stop a car going 60 miles per hour? No, it can't. Now, I'm not sure who was driving that car, but I wouldn't have wanted to be the one to figure out if, if it could stop it. You know what I'm saying? 
What we need to do spiritually is we need to be myth busters. We need to, to be, be fact checkers. We need to always be checking our feeling with what is truth. And it's interesting that even in the words Jesus speaks, there's beautiful truth here that can speak past how we feel. In fact, I was listening to a commentator named Rick Warren, a famous pastor, and he identified some, some truths that are found here in, in what Jesus says. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So let me give you some facts. I want to give you three powerful facts that we, we will walk with you that will change your life regardless of how you feel. Sound good? Here's your first fact. Claim it. The fact is, we have a compassionate Father. We have a compassionate Father. I'm not, exper I'm not sure your experience with fathers. I don't know if it was good or bad. What you need to know is that the Heavenly Father is not a, a representation of your earthly father. Uh, your Heavenly Father is a perfection of what father should be, as some have stated. And, and Jesus said, you have a father. It reminds me of how he taught the disciples to pray. He said, here's how you should pray. When it comes to God, call him Father. And, and Paul, he, he recounted uh, what Jesus' life means for us. As a believer, you get to claim God as Father. It says in Romans, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. That's not you anymore. So that you live by fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we call Abba, Father. Now, Abba is not just the band that sung Dancing Queen. Um, but Abba is actually a remembrance of a child's first words. Because I don't know what your child's first word was. Who had mama? Who had dada? Okay. I, no one, you guys had no words, by the way. No one was raising their hands. <laughs> So I hope your child speaks now, but I guess they never had a first word. So I'm just, this is a give and take, guys. I tell you what. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, Abba is, is remembrance of a child's first word, like dada, like mama, like papa. And, and so what, what God is saying to us through Jesus is that you have such an intricate link with, with, with God in heaven that, that you can call him dad. That's the God who's with you. Now, when Jesus introduces this, it is extraordinary. I mean, the paradigm for getting to God was this idea that, that God was distant and, and we are here and there's always a separation. Uh, if you follow the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you had a priest who had to pray for you, a priest who had to sacrifice for you. In temple worship, only the priests were in the temple and it was separated the holy place from the most holy place. A high priest only went in the most holy place, separated by a curtain, once a year. So, so there's always this idea that, that we are here and God is separate and there's something between us. But Jesus changed all that. Jesus is God coming down to earth. And when Jesus died, look again what happened. It's even in our lesson. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. And that was this picture. That yes, before there was separation of people and God, but not any longer. In fact, you can go to God. You can know that he is always with you. You can know that he is nearby. You can call him dad. And he is with you today. He's compassionate for you today, whether you feel him or not. But there's more. There's more. Another great truth, and this next truth is this. We are safe in God's hands. We're safe in God's hands. We're safe in God's hands. It reminds me of some big hands. I saw a movie called Kong Skull Island. Does anyone see Kong? I just, I just love how, you know, things get bigger and better. King Kong used to climb the Empire State Building. Now he is the Empire State Building. It's just, it's amazing. But, but if you've seen that movie, he's got these huge hands, and with him he's like 
swatting helicopters from the sky, and he's fighting off these lizard crazy things and his crazy big hands, right? But with those same hands, he's catching the girl. Catching the girl, make sure it doesn't drown and, and, and doesn't crush her and saves the girl, right? I got to tell you, God has better hands than King Kong. God knows how to swap the enemies out of your life. You got a devil on your back, flick him by God's power. You got enemies, you got pressure, God give you strength past it. That's the hand of God. In fact, Isaiah the prophet, he said this, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. My hand is yours for, for defense, for help, for any time of need. But then God's hands are tender enough to save, aren't they? They're pictured in Jesus' own hands when they're pierced. Jesus' hands that were pierced and, and pierced for us out of tenderness and love so that Isaiah could also say, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save. We are saved because of these hands that stretched out far. And the reality is that salvation will culminate someday when we go home. But until we get there, God will hold us. There's this dialogue of a shepherd and the sheep. And the dialogue said this, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Have you realized today you're in the hand of God? I don't know how lonely or helped you have felt, but you need to know you, you stand in the hand of God whether you feel it or not. These are the facts that are being declared. There's more. As Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he expects that he will be received. He expects that the Father will actually receive him. And so what I believe is that God does receive us. He receives our offerings. He receives our praise. He receives our prayers. And I consider, have you ever tried to give something to someone as a gift, but they didn't want any of it? That's kind of a frustrating ordeal. Because if you really want to give something to someone, you want them just to say, yes, thank you. If they don't, they have cut off an extension of your love and maybe even made you feel that you weren't good enough or somehow your gift wasn't good enough. And so, you, so the best thing today is just to say yes to gifts. I love the fact that God says yes to our gifts. When it comes to our praise, you know, I know we don't have complete praise, but he's still saying yes, that praise is acceptable. Thanks for coming, child. When it comes to our offerings, it doesn't matter. Then he just says, yes, my child is given. I love it. Thank you, child. Then when it comes to prayers, he says, I'm always here to listen to you. I'm always there to answer. You have a God who receives you, always delights in you. So what do we do? You got to myth bust your feelings, friends. Over and over, facts are more important than how you feel at the end of the day. What Jesus has declared is more important than your reality of feeling. And I'm not trying to understate how you feel or the strength and intensity of those feelings. I'm just saying fact and God is more important today. But I think he's not only teaching us what's true, he's also teaching us how to claim what is true. Because as Jesus is claiming these things, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, think of how he says it. It says in scripture, um, Jesus cried out in a loud voice and other people said that he was shouting. Right? So he's like shouting these facts. And I guess it just makes sense in my mind because sometimes in my own walk, like, you know, I can state all the negative things like, it's gray outside, people were mean at the DMV, da 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 da. And then I can say glibly, like, yeah, but I know God loves me. Got a father. I know he's with me. I know he hears me. I know he receives me. I know I'm in his hand. 
What if we change that a little bit? Right? That's pathetic. What if we say, yeah, I had a bad day, but guess what? Do you know my father? He's a good father. He's with me today. This father, he loves me more than anyone has loved me. That's the father who is with me on a down day. And let me tell you about his hands. They're the hands that carved the, the canyons of Arizona. They're the hands that molded the mountains, that dotted stars in the sky. They're the hands that hold me. And let me tell you how he receives me. He receives me whether it's a good day or not, whether I make sense or not, whether the answer is yes or not. He receives me and he'll always receive me. This is the God I follow. What if we declared it until we start feeling better? Because the fact is more important than how you feel. We shout with a loud voice. We declare who God is and what he has done. But what I see and notice about the faith life is something you've probably picked up on. That faith and even our reason why we need to shout is because that so often we need to fight for it when we don't feel it. Right? If you've walked with Jesus like longer than two days, you're going to have to fight for it when you don't feel it. Right? I, I was struck by this as I was reading the Bible. I, I saw Paul's life. And, and Paul uh, was a, a missionary. He reached out to many people. Uh, but Paul had hardship. In fact, at one time he was stoned by the people. They, they didn't want it. And so I just want to recount with you when he was stoned. Here it is. Um, they stoned Paul. Now, at this point for me, I'd be like, God, we, we did a good thing, but I think I'm out, right? Um, pretty sure it's not going so well. This isn't so successful, God. This whole walking with you. Anyway, um, well, he was dragged outside the city thinking he was dead, but after the disciples had gathered, he got up, wow, and he went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby, and they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. The next day, he preaches the gospel. Now, I don't know how Paul feels, but if ever there was a time where I don't feel like preaching the gospel, it might have been after the day I was stoned, right? I might have not felt like it was like broken bones. We don't even know how Paul's walking anymore, but here I am. Do you know Jesus, right? Some say that he got his thorn in the flesh because he was stoned. They think that is a direct correlation. Some commentators, and I think that makes sense. I'm surprised he still lived. And that day, he's like, but God. And then I look at what Paul does. The next day he gets up, and then I look at my own life, and I am a wimp. I just want to, I want to say that. I'm not that strong, guys. Like, because there are times in my own life where, like, I feel the pressure, you know, and, and the obstacles, and so I, I don't want to do God's work. Or I feel certain things, and, I, and it's such a bad day that I don't want to praise, and I don't want to give thanks. Have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, sometimes, okay, the prayer wasn't answered, and the opposite thing happened. It's like, well, why should I keep praying? And sometimes it's like, you know, it's so tough, and life is hard that, how can I keep praising? And, and maybe you've had it so bad that, that you've even said, you know, I'm not sure even walking with you, because I don't sense you, God. It's this, this emotion, this habit of ours to give up that I think we should repent of today. I might have been a wimp, but I don't really want to be a wimp. I want to be a fighter. Do you want to repent with me? Let's just bring that to the Lord today. And say, God, I don't want to stop fighting. I want to keep fighting. And as we do that, as we repent of that, let's look again at Jesus. Because QI of the tiger, he is the ultimate fighter. You look into those eyes, you see the steely eyes of a fighter who will not give up. And this is the fighter who with dogged determination would trust that the father was still on his side, would trust that he is still winning a battle, 
and it's worth it. I was reading a commentator who said this about Jesus. He said, despite the temporary sense of abandonment he felt during the hours of darkness, he knew the Father loved him and would receive his spirit upon his death. Jesus remained faithful to the very end. But he had to fight for it. He had to fight for it. But because he did, we are saved and redeemed. Because he did, I can tell you, you're forgiven, but now fight on. You're forgiven, but fight on. You're forgiven, but fight on. This is our Lord and Savior, the ultimate fighter. And so as I see what happens as Jesus has his fight, and how the crowd changes, as we'll get to, it reminds me of one of my favorite movies, which is Rocky IV. Anyone see Rocky IV? There's a commercial on, on, on right now that say you have abdominals that abdominate. These are abdominals that abdominate, right? I got a point. I got a point. Stick with me. <laughs> I almost lost you there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, what happens when Rocky is first introduced is that he is booed and he's whistled, which I guess in Russia a whistle is not good. It's like the essence of booing. And the whole crowd is against this American who's coming in to fight Drago during the Cold War. But something happens because of his dogged determination. At the end, because they saw that Rocky would not give up, they saw that he could take a punch and keep coming back, they started chanting his name, even in Russia. Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. And the crowd, when he actually won, was on his side. There, there was this complete change because they saw the fight in who Rocky was. Now look at Jesus. A crowd had been yelling crucify, which is the equivalent of whistling, is the equivalent of saying boo. But then as Jesus dies, there was this change that happened, at least in one and maybe in others. Look what happened. The, the, the centurion said, surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness that saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. So there was this gathering. It was significant. People were wondering, what does this actually mean? And the centurion, maybe he has the biggest change. And we don't know his role. Maybe he was the one who mocked Jesus by putting king of the Jews. Maybe he was the one that nailed his hands to the cross. We, we don't know, but the centurion in other accounts says this. This was Mark's account. That, that he said, surely this was the son of God, even. That's, that's how much he changed. So I, I need to do some conjecture with you, some guesswork with you. Why is it that the centurion would have such a change to the course of this? And is it perhaps that he'd never seen anyone act that way while feel that way at the same time. That no one who ever felt the nails of the cross ever said the words, Father, forgive them. They probably said different words. That no one who was in such pain on the cross, propping themselves up to get breath because he died through suffocation, no one ever used their breath to watch out for mom. It wasn't reasonable. No one ever used their breath to say, today you will be with me in paradise. And no one who had just said, because I felt like you've forsaken me and you have, had, had still trusted in God the Father. Is it perhaps because he acted different that he felt that, that this change happened? Well, I'm not sure, but this is what I do think. When we take up the charge as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, to act better than how we feel, Maybe this is how God uses us to change the world. So there's this passage that says that people will know us by our good deeds and then they will praise the Father in heaven. And maybe that's true for you and I. And maybe God is speaking into us. I know you feel some way at work. 
I know you feel some way in a relationship, but it's time for you to act differently. It's time every time that coworker gets on your nerves, or that person says that, that you don't gossip behind your, their back, that you don't act maliciously, but that you act kindly, and that you shut your mouth. It's time when you feel the pressures getting in the way of serving God for you to say and claim it that it is worth it, that you can give yourself fully to the work of the Lord knowing it's not in vain. It's time regardless of how you feel to say God's ways are worth it in high school, God's ways are worth it in, in college, God's ways are worth it uh, on my free time, God's ways are worth it on sunny days, God's ways are worth it on the gray days, God's ways are good because God is good. Dear friends, let us replace fake news with good news of Jesus and his love. And may he help us. Amen.